0: As always, I hope you have all had a wonderful week and I hope that you have taken the time to really get into these scriptures and to meditate on them, to, to take them in and to learn whatever it is that Yahweh is trying to show you to, um, to open your eyes to. Um, we are again continuing here with what I think is the very much like David's prayer journal. So I entitled it what I did, um, where we are getting that, that very unique sneak peek into his prayer life. You know, it's not very often that you get to hear someone's very intimate, heartfelt prayer. Um, not only do we get to do that, but we get to do it to a man who Yahweh himself deemed a man after his own heart. Um, so that, that is a blessing and a privilege indeed. Um, I feel very honored and very grateful to be able to do that because to me his prayers are so they are what we should be doing. You know, it's it's almost like a manual to this is how you pray. <laughs> this is how it should look. This is how it should feel. And to me that's a big part of it how you feel when you are praying. To me the very definition of fervent prayer which we are told to do, we're told to pray fervently. To me, the very definition of that is passion, feeling. You feel what you're saying. You're not going through the motions. You're not just polyparroting words at him. You're not just reading something off of a page. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with reading out your prayers. Bear with me. (laughs) But there should be feeling behind them. You should feel what you're praying. If you're not feeling what you're praying, then you need to just stop right there and reevaluate. Your heart should be in it, and he knows whether your heart's in it or not. And I didn't even mean to say all that, so that must have just been him. (laughs) I don't know. Somebody must have needed to hear that. I don't know. But um, that that just kind of came to me in this moment. So anyway, um, we're going to go ahead, and Sierra's going to open us in prayer, and then we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Yahweh, as you know, we didn't immediately click with this song, but as, as things have gone on, I've just realized you know, how much this can resonate with us and how much we can relate to this right now because David was going through another one of those very hard times where things were just beginning to stack up all around him and the grief was unbearable. And there's enough wickedness and calamity to to weary us and to make us breathe night and day, but we know that you've called us for more than that, not just to live that way, and it's as if, you know, we're running through this this dark hall and we, we feel like we're going to run into a dead end, we don't see the way out, but at the very last minute, you're able to just open this trap door beneath us and suddenly we're free in this new place. And so, I thank you so much for being a father who's like this, and I ask you to bring back that passion, that hope in us, that no matter how dark the hallway is, we can run through it with joy and excitement. And once again, bringing back that expectancy in you, because we believe in you, and we believe you're capable of this, and that you're working on our behalf. So, it, it, it may sound crazy, but I just want to pray like for the whole world and for all the people and everyone who needs to know it and feel it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Not crazy at all. This whole world needs it. And if we don't do it, who's going to? That's what we are called to do. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm losing my voice today. We have some weather coming through and it always affects me. And if anybody that's been listening to me for a while knows it always seems to happen right when I go live. <laughs> my and, and yet Sierra can attest to the fact that after it's over, my voice goes back to normal. It's true. It's it's you know I guess the enemy's literally trying to take my voice. Um, but that's okay. Y'all know it won't stop me. I'll, I'll just squeak at you, but you'll hear what I say. <laughs> so it's okay. It's all good. And you are caffeinated. I am caffeinated this time, y'all. I have energy. I am awake. And, and hopefully I can say the words and do the things um, much better than I did last time. <laughs> I won't lose my train of thought and never remember. I never have remembered what I was saying last week. <laughs> it was bad. That was really bad. Hopefully there will be no repeats of that. I am fully caffeinated this time. Didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night, but I'm fully caffeinated. So we're good. So anyway, let's jump right into Psalm 6. As Sierra was saying, she and I both found that early on in this because we are following the um, the thing of just um, doing a few verses a day so that we can truly meditate on it. And because of that, I'm, I'm so... with myself about not rushing ahead (laughs) because I think when you do that you, you form a preconceived idea so I'm very strict about that with myself um the very first few verses I really I was struggling you know I went to her and I told her I'm like I'm struggling with this one I'm not getting a whole lot from this and she was saying that she was having the same issue well that very quickly changed because when I got towards the end, I really had one of those wow moments because it was a collection of verses that have resonated with me and helped me so much that I actually have them written on my wall back here. Y'all see my, my lovely wall. <laughs> these are all scriptures, prayers, quotes, things that have helped me. Um, things that I feel like I want to be reminded of daily and these Verses towards the end, which we'll get into, um, are some of them. And so, obviously, I then began to connect. I wasn't struggling anymore. I had a lot to say. So, we're just going to get into that. Um, I'm assuming the same thing happened with you at some point. (laughs) I would say so, yes. It, It started off where I just wasn't sure. But like I was saying, over time, I became to just realize how relevant it actually was and more of the meaning actually hit me. And I think every psalm is in there for a reason. I agree. He doesn't put anything in here that's not for a reason. His word never returns void. I think the thing is, is in the beginning, it's just that it's so plain, you know? It's so straightforward that there's not a whole lot to explain about that, you know? It's just, it is what it is, (laughs) you know? Um, so I was struggling with trying to pull anything extra out of it until it got towards the end. Y'all please excuse my dog. My husband just pulled up and he, he barks at us. It's weird. He barks at us as we leave and he barks at us when we come back. Um, we have a theory on that, but I won't digress. <laughs> <laughs> go for it to theorize. The comments. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Tell us why our dog does this. Um, I think my theory is that he he wants us all here all the time. So he yells at us when we leave. And then when we come back, we're getting chastised because we left. Because his tail is always wagging while he's doing it. But, you know, he's just letting us know how he feels about the situation. (laughs) If you have a small breed dog, you probably totally understand what I'm talking about and have experienced it too. But anyways, enough about our dog. (laughs) We will go into... Um, Psalms chapter six is what we were covering this week. So I combined verses one through three. I did. This well. You did as well. Okay, great. So it starts off, O Yahweh, do not rebuke uh, my goodness, sorry. Do not rebuke me in your displeasure, nor discipline me in your wrath. Show favor to me, O Yahweh, for I am fading away. O Yahweh, heal me. For my bones have been troubled, and my being has been greatly troubled. And you, O Yahweh, till when? So, thoughts on that. I was really getting the poetry respect there. Oh, very, yeah. pretty good reading. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> um, it strikes me that there is a, a slight break in, in the pattern so far because he's been... Starting off by asking him to listen, and this time was very different. I noticed Dequest. that too. Do not rebuke me, don't discipline. me. Um, but not specifically, don't rebuke me or discipline me, but in your displeasure in your death. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't think David literally meant like don't ever <laughs> discipline. No, me. I don't think that so either. <laughs> um, you know, we know that that Yahweh doesn't have like a human temper. He doesn't just lose it. It's not. Like, the case of a parent, like, don't get on to me when you're really mad because you'll be too harsh or something like that. He, um, I think it's more that he knows um, his, his wrath, he knows what he's capable of, and he's just humbly asking for mercy. And that, um, this psalm, I keep saying, it being called a penitential psalm, so which has to do with, like, confession of sin and forgiveness. And I have to say, you don't really see much, like, explicitly saying that. Uh, through the psalm, um, people just say that, you know, it kind of sounds like a confession because he's asking that in the beginning. But um, it actually kind of made me wonder that it's not talking about specific sins. I'm very sorry. My husband is talking to me in the background. <laughs> it's a little distracting. <laughs> Um, I actually had to wonder if maybe he's afraid of being rebuked or feels like he deserves rebuke because it's a matter of faith. Because he's talking about the situation he's distressed in that maybe he feels like he's uh, kind of sinning in the fact that he doesn't have that faith uh, right now or that courage in him that he's going to make a way through. So he's Mm. at the offset kind of apologizing for that. That's a good point. It's a good, I didn't get that. That's a very good perspective. Maybe so. Um, I'm probably also associating that with myself. <laughs> well, that's exactly how we know God is speaking to us, is when it's something that we start to see in ourselves. That's Him speaking through His Word to open our eyes to something that we need to deal with. So maybe that's why you got it and others didn't. He knew you needed it. I definitely appreciate him speaking to me through a song that I wasn't even sure about. Me too. Well, you know, you think about it, um, and I believe it is here somewhere in the book of Psalms, where he talks about opening our eyes, you know, to search our heart and open our eyes to anything that might be there. And I know I'm paraphrasing that and maybe be butchering it, but you know what I'm saying? I think everybody's familiar with that particular passage. Um, That's just it. We don't always see what we are struggling with or we mislabel it under something else you know we we might realize that we have a problem or that we're struggling with something but we're attributing it to something else in our lives Um, therefore we need our eyes open to the situation so that we can deal with it so we can get that sin out or we can um, tackle you know whatever's holding us back whatever's dividing us Um, but so often we think we're all good And and then he's got to show us, no, 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 you're not quite there yet. (laughs) You got this little thing that's going on, or you got that little thing. I mean, we're human. We are never going to be perfect. We know this. He is the only one that walked this earth perfect. We know that. So there's always something for us to learn. There's always something for us to accomplish. There's always a way to grow. And the best way to do that is to read his word. It's like our miracle grow. Um... He's going to be able to if we're listening, if we're going into it with the right attitude, which is why I love the thing of saying, you know, Search my heart and show me. Show me. I honestly want to know. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there that don't they don't want to know. And and I think honestly that's why a lot of people really don't want to get into the word so much for themselves, because I think maybe they're afraid of what they might see. Because the problem is is once you're aware of it then you have to address it. If you don't, you're in direct disobedience. And that is not a place that you want to be in, as we have learned the past few weeks. it's <laughs> not a place that you want to be. Right? <laughs> so if you're asking, be prepared for the answer and be prepared to deal with the answer no matter where it is because once you're aware of it, um, you're going to have to deal with it. And sometimes that is a very difficult thing to do. Sometimes it's a very uncomfortable place to be, but... You know, again, for anybody who's been listening to me for a while, you've heard me say this, and it's true. I love when it makes me squirm. If it makes me squirm, I know I'm going to (laughs) grow. And, you know, it, it says it many times throughout the word. If you find yourself comfortable, you're not where you need to be. Comfortable doesn't allow for growth. It's that simple. That's why he continues to take us out of our comfort zone. Because then we're going to grow. If you're comfortable, you're not where you need to be. Um, You should be squirming. If you're squirming, if you're uncomfortable, then guess what? You're right where you're supposed to be. Congratulations. (laughs) It's a good thing. Um, And so I love when I read something and it makes me squirm. I love when I hear something and it makes me go, whoa. (laughs) I need to stop and think about that for a moment. I need to pray about that. I need to discuss that with somebody, you know. Um, But there's going to be some growth in that, you know, and that's just, I love that myself. Some people don't. Not everybody does. I feel like I have to just take that into life, too. Like, I'm I'm the sort to try to hang on to some lawyer and comforting things, and, like, if I feel like so it's gone, I feel like something's gone wrong and needs to be fixed, but maybe, you know, that's a purposeful good thing. I think so. Um, if there's anything that I have learned in the past two years of my life, especially this past year in my life, is that sometimes we tend to cling to those comfortable, those things. We, we tend to start to rely on them. We count on them and we rely on them. Problem is, is we start to rely on them too much, where we have replaced him with those things or those people. Um, I actually did a, a, a teaching on this on the podcast where I was talking about giving other people God's jobs. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Goodness, I smell being really truly strong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <At some point. laughs> My husband was a little crazy with that. Um, with sprays. <laughs> you could choke a horse. Anyway, um, you, a lot of times I think that might be the reason why he takes us out of those comfort zones or he takes those things away from us. You know, people often ask why, God, why did you take this from me or why did you take them from me? You know, why did I lose this? Sometimes it's because we have given them a spot that belongs to him. And so I think he takes us from that and moves us away from that comfort zone. Why? Because when we are uncomfortable, when we feel like we're alone, when we feel like we're scared, when we feel like we're out of our league, who do we start looking to? Exactly. We finally start looking to him. And I think that that is a very real reason why. I know in my case, that's exactly what was happening with me. Um... I I would like to say I have learned that lesson well that is not to say that I will not screw up again (laughs) but for now I feel like I have learned that lesson well Um, if you start to find yourself a little too comfortable get ready because you're probably about to be moved (laughs) if you're surrounded on all sides you can either look up or look down choose up exactly what I just said kind of made me think about that conversation we were just having before we got started. That's been <laughs> happening in the past couple of weeks. That's <laughs> so weird. Anyways, um, you may continue. <laughs> well, he's fading away. His bones are troubled. His being is troubled. And it may be a bit, you may see it as a, a bit of being poetic about Yeah. <laughs> But, I think I really understand the feeling that he's talking about. Uh, when, you know, whether this is addressing a sin situation, or it's talking about, um, mostly external things that are prompting this, and you, just things that give you fear and anguish. Yeah, you, you just feel that trouble all through you, and you can feel physically ill. Mm. You're just, just shaken inside. I think shaking is a particular feeling. <clears throat> our mood. <laughs> I agree. And that seems to be what he's going through right now, and this is till when, because <laughs> that's the question that everybody's come to at some point, point. and we can see that David doesn't feel that this prayer has been answered yet, that he's still looking for something. He can't see a way out yet. He just feels like uh, Yahweh is far away right now, And you're just like, when, you know, all this is happening, when are you going to turn and come back and help me? I think that till when is like a pivotal faith moment. Because you have a choice. When we reach that point where we feel like, I have waited forever, and I don't see anything happening, I don't see anything changing. You choose to either continue in faith, believing that he's going to do what he says that he will do, that he's never going to leave us, that he's there, he's working. You know, as the song says... Even when I can't see it, <laughs> it's working. <clears throat> That's faith. That's the very definition of faith. Or you can choose to give up, stop believing, and once again try to take matters into your own hands. Um, which, as we know, does, never end, does not ever run well. end well. And well, excuse me, problems with my words today. Um, I think that when we reach that, I do think, as you said, we can all relate to that feeling and that point in time. Um, that's when we start to get really frustrated because we, we just feel like we've done all the things. We've prayed all the prayers. We've believed, we've believed, we've believed, and it's still not happening. And, and, you know, in some people's cases, you could have been doing this for years. You could have been doing this for decades, and it's still not happening happening, but you know, I point y'all to the story of Abraham and Sarah. Okay, okay. That, that was a long waiting. Okay. That was a very long waiting. I think we could all say that there would definitely be some moments where you're like, um, maybe I heard him wrong. <laughs> maybe this was me thinking this, or me feeling, I mean, we've all been there. We've had those moments where we question whether we heard him correctly whether it was us, our own desires, our own feelings influencing something, um, or maybe your your spouse told you or, or somebody else told you that God had a word for you and this is what it was, and you like, I don't think you heard right. <laughs> I've been waiting an awful long time. I <laughs> see no evidence of, you know, everything points against it. Um, I think we've all had that. So I, I can tell you that if you're in one of those moments, where you have been faithfully praying for something um, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and you're kind of in this moment like David to win, (laughs) you know? Just remember Abraham and Sarah, okay? Remember, sometimes it's, it's just not his time yet. It's not his time, and his time is best, and you have to have faith in that. His time is best. Don't try to push it into your time. His time is best, and even though you might not be able to see it, he is faithful, and he is working, and he has not left you. And I think when we hit that moment where we're just like, to win, how much longer? It is a pivotal faith moment. You're either going to choose to keep believing and walking out in faith, or you're going to choose to give up and throw in the towel and say, you know what, I don't see anything happening here, and you go your own way. I think that's what uh, Experiencing God refers to, is the crisis of truth. Yes, yes. By the way, if you've never read Experiencing God, I 100% recommend it. 100%. It is such a good book. I have gone through it three times now. And I know several others who have gone through it multiple times. And I tell you, it's truly one of those books that every time you read it, you will get something more out of it because it's so applicable to where you are in life at that moment. So you could read it as a teenager. You could read it as a newlywed. You could read it as a parent. You could read it as a grandparent. Um, There's just so many different things that could be going on in your life that will make it come across differently, you know, It can apply in a different way than the time that you read it before, so, truly, a very good book, highly, highly recommend it, it's by, um, Henry Blackery. You don't, you don't come away from it, no, and if you do, then you didn't read it very well, go back and read it again, (laughs) just a second, (laughs) go back and read it again, it's a very, very, very good book, and I don't mean the workbook thing. I mean the actual book. Read the book. The workbook thing uh, condenses it too much. It, it cuts too many things out. Read the actual book. Anyway, go ahead. Do your breath. I don't hear what you have now. Oh, and for those on the podcast, no, I'm not telling my daughter that her breath is bad. My dog isn't here. And he's got really fun breath. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, so for me... Um, Kind of like you were saying, um, I don't. He's he's not asking Yahweh not to rebuke him, but to do it in mercy, not in wrath. Um, And I think he's, you know, he's kind of like telling him, "I'm already so distressed over what it is, whatever it was that he did." I feel like he's he's already so distressed over that that he's feeling it in his whole being. And that's what he's, he's trying to describe here. As you were saying, I think we've all had those moments where we did something. And we were so sick over it that we literally felt it. Like, have you ever heard made yourself sick over something? You literally can. You know, our feelings can manifest in physical um, reactions sometimes. And, I mean, I, I've had times where I got so upset over something that it made me grow up. You know, I've had many times, actually, that it's happened. A lot of people, they get so tense or stressed out over something, they get a headache. Um, It can manifest in a physical form sometimes. And I think that's what he's saying is, you know, please don't rebuke me in wrath but in mercy. He's, He's not saying he doesn't deserve being rebuked. He fully gets that he deserves that. He's just asking him to show mercy in it, not in his wrath as he does know what he is capable of. Um and he's asking. He's not telling. He's asking. You know, please show me mercy. Um, because I'm already I'm so sort distressed of over what I've done, you know, like I think it's kinda of like one of those things you couldn't possibly say anything that I don't already know. <laughs> I already feel as bad as I can possibly feel over this, you know? Um I, I think that's kinda of where he's at right now and so he is so sick over what he's done, that he feels it in his whole body. His heart, his mind, his body is so everything. Um, and I think, like I said, we've all been there, you know, where we're just like, feel we'll sick through and through over something that we have done. We have so much guilt and so much pain. Um, and we just feel so sorry about something. One of those things that you just wish with everything in you that you could go back and redo or that you can take back and you just, you literally feel it through your whole body, everything in you. Um, I think this is where he is at. And, you know, when we're in those moments, think about it. You can't rest. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't concentrate on anything. You can't even focus because you're so wrapped up in whatever this thing is that, that's just, you know, you can't function, basically. You can't function. And so I believe this is where he's at. And he's so distressed that he's made himself stick over it. And he wants to know till when, how much longer. And I happened to notice in my commentary on this one that they said that this was an expression of intense lament when they said till when. It was an expression of intense lament. And it makes sense because it goes along with exactly what you were saying a while ago. When you hit that moment where you are so overwhelmed, you are filled with so much concern and distress and sorrow, and you're just like, to when, God, when? When are you coming through? When are you going to show up? When, you know? And in this case, you know, if you're feeling like you feel so separated from him, you feel like that um, you're so distant from him that you want so badly to have that closeness with him back, As I I believe that David is expressing here, especially when you had as close a relationship with him as David did, um, you could definitely see that as an expression of the tenth cement to win. How much longer until you're here again, or not here again, you know he's there, but you know what I'm saying. Um, How much longer until I see you out there? Until this, this feeling goes away, until this pain goes away, until I feel that closeness with you again. Um, until I experience relief, whatever your situation might be. Um, I could totally see that, that's what will be happening there. So anyway, that's what I got. Like you your head and it encapsulates it. Well. Yeah. So I guess what we can get from verses 1-3 through three in a nutshell is that David is highly distressed at this point. <laughs> he feels it in his entire being and he's basically asking Yahweh to show him mercy um, and to be in close relationship with him again. He's expressing obviously severe remorse here, um, as we all should do. And he's experiencing a lot of Guilt at the moment. He's literally sick over it. Like I said, I think we all have experienced those moments. So, that's where we're at at this point. So, moving on to verse 4. It says, Return, O Yahweh, rescue my life. O save me for your loving commitment's sake. Much good. So, now he's gotten to... What he realizes is the solution is he can't handle it by himself, he needs him. For for him to turn and to come back just implies, you know, how much he feels that he's turned away from him right now, far away. And it's one of those times when, you know, you feel so distant during something like this. And you would give anything to hear him or see him move. Just feel him there with you. Yeah, David remembers that and he knows he needs that back and he hasn't forgotten the, the faithful love that characterizes him so that's, you know, that's the momentum behind his requests. He knows that and yeah, I think he just, you know, he remembers that so much and it's a long and really deep one he needs it. Yeah. I totally see that. I've basically got similar, but slightly different. um, I also phoned in on the loving commitment, the faithfulness. As we all know that he's told us that he will never leave us or forsake us. So to me, for when he says, for its sake, I think it's a thing for him saying to so that he can see and so that others can see. That Yahweh is faithful to His word. Yeah. That He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So it's kind of like, you know, um, He's saying, return to me. Rescue me. Show that you haven't left me. That you haven't forsaken me um, as proof of your words, you know, or um, as a reminder that you've always said that you uh, will never leave us. You know, a reminder to him, but a reminder to others as well, because you got to remember, again, who David is. People are watching him. They are watching him. And uh, I think a lot could be learned from how people, and I don't know why this just came to me, so I must need this too, but well, how people act and respond in moments of severe distress particularly if they're guilty of something, I think are critical to others who are watching you. Because those are truly the moments where our spiritual walk and our faith is put to the test. It's one thing to say things. It's one thing to tell other people things. It's a whole other thing in how you actually respond and how you behave. And I think David knew that. And he was definitely in some critical moments throughout his life, as we know. And in this one, clearly he was guilty of something. I absolutely believe that people were watching. But I think you're right that for the most part in this one, he's basically saying that, you know, to remind me that you won't leave or forsake me, you know, please come back and save me. Um, not that he ever left, you know, we all know that if we feel removed from God, he didn't go anywhere, we did. Um, but I think that this was, how often in distress do we feel like God turned away from us? We forget the fact that there is nothing that we can do that would make him not love us anymore, that would make him leave us. We forget in those moments and we just, we feel so guilty that we're just like, think hey, God left me. You know, we have to remind ourselves, and I think that's what he's saying here. Remind me that you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me. I think that's a lot of good points. That's a really important angle for that. And, you know, seeing him seeing him put that faithful love into action is really glorifying to him. And that's one of the ways you can get something good out of a situation like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm a firm believer. Um, that Yahweh can take the ugliest most horrible situations and turn them into something beautiful if you let him if you let him and that is the key you have to give them to him and let him um, I'm an absolute firm believer in that and I think David has seen that enough times too <laughs> but I do love how you see all of this in his prayers he he. In spite of being a king, in spite of being a man after God's own heart, um, he has every reason to be puffed up and proud and everything. He comes so humbly, with a true servant's heart, and he constantly refers to the fact that, God, that Yahweh. Sorry, I'm laughing at my own. Um, that Yahweh is so much higher. He is so superior and he is constantly seeking from him um, and again this is, this is how we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to go to him with a um, Santa Claus list. We're not supposed to treat him like a genie. We're not supposed to go to him like we're looking for a raise which is what we do for most of the things that we're asking for. How often do we go into prayer where we tell God, okay this is what I need, and this—it's because of this, and it's because of this, and it's because of this. So, so you can give me this, right? You know, it, it's like we're we're going in asking for a raise, and we're telling them all the reasons why we need it or why we deserve it. <laughs> you know, how often do we do that? You never see David do that. You never see David do that. Um, he—he's constantly. Um, praising and glorifying Yahweh for who he is and what he is capable of. And he's constantly reminding himself of that. And he basically is always laying himself at his mercy and and just saying, I'm yours. My life is yours. Do what you do. (laughs) You know, and that's exactly how it should be. And I just, I can't ever read his prayers without just being in awe and thinking, that's the way I want to pray. If the whole world prayed this way, where would we be right now? You know? And I, I can't wait for the day that it's like that. And that then it's not prayer. We actually get to talk to them face to face. I can't wait for that day. <clears throat> but anyway, please tell me. Oh, well, Larry, you already told me, huh? You told me yours first. Okay. Um, so let's go on to verse 5. For in death, there is no remembrance of you, who gives you thanks and show and I apologize if I mispronounce that. This one really intrigued me a lot. Um, so he's giving one of his reasons uh, to be rescued, and this is, is that. Um, well, for one thing, is Um, I looked into it a little more, and like that was the Hebrew idea of the realm of the dead. And that was where it wasn't like a heaven or hell situation. It was like good, bad people both. Like just like this is where you go when you die. Mm-hmm. So people were afraid of it because going to it meant like this point of the unknown. And um, and the reason David is giving is is that like in this this realm of the dead that you can't think or remember that way. And. I thought this was such a startling contrast, you know, the the concept that we have now of after death actually being, you know, closer to him than ever, and directly being with him and speaking to him, seeing yeah, guy. as, yeah. you know, this, this light and this hope. This it was such a different concept. And, um, something that gave me more meaning in this actually was, believe it or not, <laughs> the Book of Job, which. A lot of this actually could go with Job, Job pretty was well. Close to death as you could probably get Logan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, if when you read through Job you find that even as his uh the arguments of his friends basically they're saying the same thing over and over and they're not really reaching anything not accomplishing anything. His friends were not really <laughs> like, not like sure you? you could even call them friends, yeah. <laughs> that must be yeah. where that saying started from, friends like you, who needs enemies? <laughs> Maybe Joe started that saying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but Job on the other hand, through uh, the parts where he's speaking, you actually see a bit of heightened understanding and character development. Um, that initially when he's like, just like begging to die. Which is ironic because it's the one thing that's denied. Me. <laughs> that is true. The joke is really built on irony, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was also awakened to that through that Words of Dawn book. By the way, it actually made joke very readable and enjoyable for me. Wow! I don't think I've ever heard anyone say really enjoyed right. <laughs> the book of <show>. joke. Right. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I was always like, this is the most. You funny. heard it here, folks. First time. I <laughs> Like, I was always like, this is the most lengthy and depressing book, <laughs> and you can't keep up with all these arguments, all this philosophical stuff. But it's more like a drama that's built around like irony and character conflict, and the the important things don't really lie in like what the friends are saying. So you don't need to worry so much about like interpreting every little thing that they so say. Like in real life, you don't really need to worry about what other people are saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so yeah, this perhaps was, that was the point. <laughs> 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 yeah, if you don't remember Job having anything like interesting or edifying in it, try it again. Yeah. But yes, um, earlier on when Job just wants to die so much, he you can see verses where he's talking about shale and. And he's, you know, very much describing it as this like gloomy, chaotic, shadowy place where there's like, you know, no light, no order. It's like just inactivity. And I bet I don't know how else to describe it, but that's nothing. Sort of <laughs> That's the way I've always just just nothing. You know, think about it. Um, they say, and, and a lot of people have considered it inhumane, and in some places, I think it's been ruled inhumane. Um, in prisons, when you get put into um, oh goodness, it just went right out of my head. Solitary Thank you. Solitary confinement. They say that some people have actually gone mad if left there too long, because it's nothing. It's, there's nothing to see. There's nothing to do. There's no human interaction. There's no interaction with anything. It's it's just you. In nothingness, and I've heard that there's even forms of torture out there where there's stuff where they not only are they alone and but it's dark. <clears throat> so, think about a dark place where there's nothing, how that can mess with a person's mind and with their spirit. And it, it, exactly, so I kind of that's kind of what I get when I hear people talk about this, this shale um, that there's just it. It's a, it's a place you don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and particularly, you know, you wouldn't be there unless you were separated from God. And being separated from God, there's nothing worse than that anyway. But just that there's nothing. There's nothing to look forward to. There's nothing to experience. There's no interactive, There's just nothing. There's no hope. Estimate, there's no hope. And a thing that I kind of put with that is the ones that had it the worst were the ones that were in the darkness. There's no light. Think about that. Where there's light there's hope. There's no light. Where there's light you can see. So no much meaning in that. You're talking about all that just makes it more clear, like you know, this was part of David's fear. He felt close to that. So imagine that. You now the desperation. But through Job, like while his friends aggressively repeat themselves, he, uh, we start to see him like building up to these ideas of resurrection and of like hearing and seeing uh, Yahweh after death. And yeah, it's a, it's a really amazing character development exploration actually in the Book of Job, and. I don't know exactly how much that applies to this, but it made me think of it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you definitely get the sense of desperation from that. And and you'll admit to (laughs) absolutely get that. Um, And, you know, I I actually, I've gotten a lot out of the book of the Job. I've never said I've I've enjoyed it. Maybe I need to go back through it again. Um, I think we should go back through everything on a regular basis. But I will say most people that you come across, they say, I hate the book of Job. They don't want anything to do with the book of Job. They don't want to hear it. I, I would even venture to say that most people have probably never even went through the whole book. Because, yes, on the surface it is a very depressing story. But there is much to be learned by the book of Job. Why? Because he was experiencing, first of all, tremendous testing in his life. You know, we go through testing all the time. But have you ever gone through it at the extent of Job? okay the full extent of joke secondly this was a man who was incredibly faithful he was a good servant i mean that's the whole reason he was targeted in the first place which is another thing to understand because a lot of people would start to think the way his friends did you must have done something wrong you must have done something horrible you just need to repent okay how many times have you started experiencing you know all of these these bad things and you suddenly started to question what did i do surely i must have done something because this keeps happening that is not the case always yes there are times that you are being disciplined for something that you have done but it's also just as likely that you're doing something right and you're being targeted because you've done something right does that mean that oh well, I just need to stop doing things right, so I won't be a... Tar- no. As the word says, God forbid. <laughs> okay? That does not mean that um, you will get far greater rewards in heaven for what you endure here on earth in his name. Job knew this. In spite of... People that he loved and valued their opinions the most, telling him constantly that he must be a horrible, no good sinner and he just needed to repent. His faith continued, he continued to hold on. Also, in Job, he expresses anger at God. A lot of people believe that we can't do that that that's horrible and it's a sin, and God's going to strike us dead because. That shows us that, no, we are able to do that. He is not afraid of our anger, okay? He's not going to get his feelings hurt. He understands where we're coming from. Again, we are not ruled by a indifferent, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like a superpower being who does not know, is completely removed from us and does not know what we experience and what we feel. He came to this earth and walked in the flesh so that he could relate to us in that way. So he could know where we're coming from and what we're experiencing and what we're feeling. Why? So he could understand us. He cared enough to endure that. So that he could be an example to us. So that he could understand so, yeah, it's okay to express that anger. I didn't say would be disrespectful, but you can express that anger respectfully. Yes. <laughs> and it's not like you're going to hide it from him anyway. <laughs> he knows. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what's in your heart. You can't hide it from him anyway, so you might as well go ahead and talk to him. Um, but we see that in Job. The biggest story being that in spite of everything that he endured, in spite of all these people trying to tell him otherwise, in spite of everything that he lost, these are all things that we go through like is it not he continued to hang on to his faith, he continued to believe that Yahweh was there and he wouldn't leave him and he wouldn't forsake him and in the end, he was blessed. In the end, he was rewarded and he held on to that um there's there's a lot to be learned through Job because honestly even though and i know this is going to sound so messed up but it's true even though it is a very depressing story it's probably one of the most applicable to us walking through this world because these are the very things now i'm not saying we get attacked by boils and such like that but you know what i'm saying Figuratively <laughs> These things are what we walk through every day we face these tests we face these trials we face people trying to uh, Feed their opinions to us sway our thoughts and our opinions these are things that we literally deal with every single day and We don't always see them for what they are and the book of Job clearly Walks this stuff out. Maybe not to that extent, or maybe in some cases, sadly, you are facing it to that extent. But either way, it shows that it can be done. It was done. And if your faith is strong enough, if your faith is there, you can do that too. He's not going to leave you. And so yeah, I could see how Job could be some more. To the situation that David is in right now, except that David, you know, obviously did do something wrong here. But I get what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Though, though David did also, as we know, go through times when the people were hurling other accusations at him that (laughs) weren't. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But you know, again, that applies to us. So, like I said, sometimes yes, it is a punishment that you're dealing with, but sometimes it's also a testing. Um, And sometimes it's just that you're going to have, once again, you know, people fail you, people disappoint you, and we're going to experience those times in life, and um, that's where having his word in your heart, your faith in him, that's the only things that are going to get you through, and I think Job's perfect example of that, I think uh, David or Psalms, the Book of Psalms is a perfect example of that. So one of the reasons, one of the main reasons I chose the Book of Psalms at this time because so many of us are going through things right now, things we never really thought we'd ever be going through, you know, and a lot of people are looking for hope. A lot of people are seeking that closeness to Him. A lot of people are trying to find that light in the darkness that this world is filled with so much right now, and I think that the Book of Psalms is the perfect place to learn how to find that. I think uh, something that connects the two is a theme in Job and a theme in this psalm is once again like just going through that dark time when you absolutely cannot see any way out and at the last minute it changes. Yes. And you know that's something that is so much, it is it says the last minute, well to us it's the last minute to him. It's his time yeah. <laughs> to us. It's the last minute where, you know, like I said, where we left off in that, um, <clears throat> what was it, verse 3, I think, um, to win. You know, to win. You know, you, you start to get to the point where you feel desperate. You feel like it's it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, and, and some things are going to go terribly wrong, and you start to think of all the what-ifs and all the terrible things that are going to happen because, It's not looking the way that you want it to look or that you expect it to look and you think you're running out of time and you reach that desperation. You're like, when, God, when? It's in his timing, which to us often seems like the last minute. But you know what? That's when we know it was him. This is how he works. That's how we know it was him and how we give him the glory and we give him honor. And others can see that it was him. At work if it was something that we could do of our own esteem he would not get the glory and that's how he often works um so I guess we could move on to verse oh I don't think I had told my own verse five yet had I yeah okay, okay were you finished okay Um, I kind of got a lot of the same thing um, Focusing on the remembrance part here as well, Um, I believe my commentary had said something to the effect of, you know, public praise being very important at this time. You know, how they would often go to the temple and they would praise publicly. So it was very important to them at this time. So to be cut off from that, which was, was a punishment at times where they were not allowed to come and worship and praise in public, where they were not allowed from the temple. Kind of like, I guess, the modern day, or uh, not really modern day, but more modern than this, excommunication from the church kind of thing. Um, or, yes, or Anomashoni. Um, not quite to that extent, but still, it it's, they were not allowed to, and, and it was kind of comparing this to that, but it goes further, as you said. Um, I believe he's wanting that. He's... It, it's being cut off from Yahweh is what I'm getting here. He feels cut off from him. I think this is once again, him expressing that he wants to praise him. He wants to publicly praise him. He wants to feel that closeness to him and he feels separated from him. Um, so I kind of got the same thing that you were saying, like he feels like he's in this where he's completely cut off from him, he feels like he's separated from him. He feels like he doesn't have that um, that relationship with him, that closest to him that he had, and he's likening his current state of being to shale. That is exactly the kind <laughs> of way it works in the poetry. You know, they use something else you're familiar with to represent something, with the idea. Exactly. So when you're in a time like that, you can feel like you're going through you <laughs> Yeah. And that's what I, yeah. I mean, dramatic, yes, but we know that David was sort of a dramatic person, but I think that's a good thing because he's passionate, you know, in what he's saying. And I feel that prayer should be passionate. But that's exactly what I think he's saying here. He's in such a desperate state. And he feels like this is where he's at. So he's continuing, basically, his begging of, please come back to me. Because I feel like I'm in shale without you. You know, I, 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 I don't know that's what i got from it anymore. <laughs> so I combined six and seven. <clears throat> um, he says, I have grown weary with my groaning. Every night I fled my bed. I drenched my couch with my tears. Anybody else pause with the I fled my bed for? <laughs> that's not how it was worded in <laughs> Oh <laughs> I, <there> like, <laughs> I was like, "What? Wow, that is distressing." <laughs> One says, "With my tears, I dampened my bed." Oh, that's i <laughs> Mine does not supposed to. it. It went on to say, "I drenched my couch with my tears," but it was after it said, my bed." But um, yeah, added that. Yeah, that Without was a very plan. good clarification. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> my eye has grown dim because of grief. It grows old because of all my adversaries. So, what you have? This is painted a picture of what kind of intense freak is going through in this situation. And also the adversaries have been brought back. So, there must be something going on with them as well. I mean, it might even be a situation. We can't really know or <laughs> say. I'm mean, just not like a time frame on a single song yeah. but uh, knowing the kind of the kind of things that he had to do with his adversaries, whether it was, you know, just coming against him uh, you know, physically or their their verbal attacks. Obviously that's added into uh, the, the fear and the grief of like what he's going through here. And this is the kind of grief that you know, apparently this is like a daily thing for him, like particularly mentions in the night. Which is exactly what we were saying before, when especially it just, like, seizes on your your tired Mm -hmm. mind and your emotions, and hope just seems so much farther away, and, you know, he's saying, like, he so he's so grieved that he he describes his eyes as old think he said, Mm -hmm. which is, like, you know, it's become, like, weak and and blurred with his his tears and his weariness, and when he said he, he was weary of it, I also thought of that, like, when we've been, you know, just so despairing and upset over something, that we're not just weary over what's happening, we're weary over our own grief. Mm. Like, yes. I can't go on like this, I can't live like this. You know, what am I just going to, to live, again, and, yeah, just, when you get into, like, this cycle of these, these worries and these alarming things that just sadden you or, or worry you, and you wonder if you, how do you get out of this cycle? Can, can it ever get better? We get weary of it. And I think we have to remind ourselves that we can't go one with just a hopeless, despairing existence like that. And we have no reason to. We have to let Yowie break the cycle. That's the key. We have no reason to. With him, we always have to look. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you're feeling hopeless, then, then you're not where you need to be. And you know, I always go back to, it's okay to have feelings of upset. I have feelings of anger. I have feelings of grief. I have feelings of sadness. But it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. Feelings of hopelessness do not come from Yahweh. Feelings of hopelessness come from the enemy. <clears throat> um, so when we get to a situation where we are feeling hopeless. And we are feeling complete despair. Um, then we know that we are at the point where. Something has gone wrong. We've strayed a bit because we're not looking to him. Because if we were looking to him, there'd be hope. There's always hope. Um, And I think that's what David's doing here, you know. He's like, okay. (laughs) Um, I'm tired of this, so tell me. (laughs) What what do I need to do now? (laughs) I have enough of this. My couch is soaked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah gonna have to reappool. Right <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is this is getting bad now. <laughs> is Can't even be couch. comfortable anymore because my couch is <laughs> soaked. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway <laughs> on the, the day that, that I was writing that I think I told you that um I had in my mind the Casting From song that says, um we were, it's time for us to more than just survive, we were meant to thrive. Yes, yes. Exactly. I think we forget that so often. Um, I think our world often encourages mediocrity. Our world is very much everybody be the same. To think the same, to dress the same, to strive for the same things, to uh, be educated the same, Everything is about the same. We were never meant to be same. We were created to be set apart. We were created to be different. We were all given different talents. Um, And why? Because we're meant to be unique and different. Um, And we are meant to thrive, not to be mediocre. We were meant to thrive. And with him living in you, how could you not? if you tap into that how could you not you know we literally it's ridiculous to think about but we literally live <clears throat> supposedly if, if we truly if believe that and we accept that we live with the most powerful being in all of creation inside of us yet we often tamp that down right. yeah we tamp that down for the sake of our own capabilities for Really. <laughs> I mean, that's like if you're going against an army, and you've got a cannon, and you decide to use a water gun. Really? (laughs) You know? I mean, we could so clearly see the, the really poor thinking on that one, but yet we don't see it in ourselves. But we do. We do. We're all guilty of it, if we're honest, but we do. If only we could see those things so clearly in those moments. And I get really frustrated with myself about things like that. Like, how could I not see that? <laughs> Hindsight is 2020. <laughs> just having, we literally say like, rivers of living water inside of us. we supposed to be pouring out. But we just kind of like, sluggishly go one under the weight of the world if you think about that when you just said that I was thinking to myself what that means just regular water we got living water but yes what does water do? water refreshes water renews water washes clean water feeds and gives growth I mean think of all the things that water does and this this is constantly running through us so we should be constantly receiving that Um, but again it's like we put a dam there sometimes and block the water from coming through and rely on our own strength, which is not very much. <laughs> Just so you know, it's not very much. And then we wonder why we, we end up depressed or hopeless or overtired, run down, weak. Excuse me. Why? Because we built the dam. time to break the dam, people. But anyways, go ahead. No. no. Okay. Um on this one I basically going off on of the last one that he felt separated from Yahweh. Um I got it. this feeling of separation from Yahweh is so agonizing that he is unable to sleep. Because his sorrow is so severe. You know, he's talking about his eyes being weary and you know everything um, he's tired of all this yes <laughs> um, I believe he's he's been crying a lot I think that's also got to do with his eyes feeling tired and obviously you know he said he soaked his couch <laughs> that's a lot of tears okay so yes your eyes do get very tired and weak from that um, but I also think he's been unable to sleep I mean think about it um, I, started, I stated earlier when you are in that place where you are so upset You are physically ill over what you have done. You don't sleep. This is not why because you're you're not at rest. And I found this to be a stark contrast to what we've read in the previous chapters. You know where he had that peace. He had that restful peace when he was walking in step with Yahweh. That being the difference that's why I said in this one I definitely feel like he's done something that he's feeling this separation from God you don't see that pumped up yeah let's do it that we saw in the previous ones he felt confident why did he feel confident because he had that closeness to Yahweh remember he was always ending he reminded himself that those who belonged to Yahweh had no need to worry because he was their protector and he would give them peace, and he would give them joy. This time, you're not seeing that. This time, you're saying saying that he's feeling feeling separated from him. So I think he's not confident right now because he's feeling like he's done something so terrible, and he's feeling the separation from him. So he's not receiving that peace from him that he did in the other ones. Um. So he's so tired, and he's so weary, and he's so drained right now. And this is what he's saying. And so it's, a, to me, a very, very clear contrast from restful peace to I'm trying I'm tired, I'm worried, I can't find any rest. I'm so tired of this, and <laughs> I can't find any rest. Um, and so he's finally, he's looking to the right place to find that rest, you know. But he's like, just, just let me fill you again, <laughs> you know, show me, show me what I need to do, because I'm not finding that rest. Um, And, again, we've all been there because, I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves for a minute, okay? We get so wrapped up in our feelings, in our hurt, in our drama, in our anger, in our resentment, in our bitterness, that what do we do? Well, first of all, we often want to go talk to Tom, Dick, Susan, and Larry about why we feel this way, okay? Especially if it was something that was done to us you know, but often when something's done to us, what do we do? We do something back, okay, and that's when this, but then what do we do? We want to go justify that, okay, so we we go to Tom, Dick, Larry, and Susan, and we tell them, you know, so-and-so did this to me, but you know what I did? I did this, and this is why I did this, because they did this, and they did it, you know, we get all worked up in that, okay, but then the guilt says, Okay. I don't know, if something might happen, or we might, you know, in our alone time, start to think about that, focus on it. Um, perhaps Yahweh calls it to your attention, convicts you of what you've done. Okay, You start to feel guilt. Or maybe it wasn't even a case that you did something bad, so maybe you just did something wrong. But what do we try to do when we start to feel guilt over those things that we did wrong? We try to justify it to ourselves. You know, or we try to justify it to somebody else. But either way, we are focusing on us. We're focusing on what we did, why we did it. We try to rationalize it. We try to justify it. We try to pin it on somebody else. It's their fault. (laughs) They're the reason I did this. You know, but we're constantly doing that. And we're replaying and we're replaying and we're replaying. We're back to that videotape, y'all, in your head. But what have we not been? We didn't bring it to him. You're not going to find peace by trying to justify your actions. If you're feeling guilt, there's a reason you're feeling guilt. Okay, You're not going to find peace trying to justify it to yourself. You're not going to find peace trying to justify it to your friends. Even if your friend says, oh, yeah, I, I totally get why you did that. You were totally right in that. Guess what? Your friend is not Yahweh. Your friend cannot give you that peace that you're seeking. You can do all that till the cows come home. You can get on social media. You can post about it. You can tweet about it. You can put it on Instagram. You can do a YouTube video about it. You can go to every friend in the world that you have and your family members too. You could hold a press conference if you wanted to. And every one of those people could be like, yeah, yeah. But you know what? You're not going to find the peace that you're looking for. There's only one person that you can find that peace from. And that's who David was finally going to. And why do I say finally? Because he never would have reached this desperate state that he's in if he went to him from the beginning. Good point. And if you find yourself in this position... Then you need to do as David had done and finally go to him so you can find that rest and you can find that peace and you can start to work through this and get out of it. He's saying he's tired of this. You don't get tired of something if it just happened right then and you went to God. You only get tired of something if it's been happening and happening and happening and happening and happening. He also said, till when? That tells you it's been going on for a while. Or he wouldn't be asking when. <clears throat> so, to me, he's done as all of us tend to do. And he's tried to work through this on his own. And he's tried to, I don't know, perhaps justify it. Perhaps he's tried to, by going through motions. I don't know, maybe he's been talking to other people about it. You know, we tend to go to our friends. We go to our family. You know, anybody and everything but him. And then we wonder why we're still feeling this way. And nothing's changing Well, you know, there's a little saying about that if you keep trying to do the same thing over and over again And you expect something different (laughs) It means you're crazy (laughs) But But seriously in all seriousness if you've been at that place for a long time now if you're at that point when you're saying when if you're at that point where you're tired of feeling the way that you're feeling Try doing something different. Try bringing it to Him. And I mean really bringing it to Him. I don't mean talking at Him. I don't mean giving it to Him and taking it right back. I mean really talking to Him the way that David is talking to Him. Really seeking Him and His presence in your life. Really giving it to Him. Recognizing His supreme superiority and submitting it all to Him. It's the only way you're going to find that so <clears throat> on that note <clears throat> I'm going to go on I finished it out with 8 and 8 through 10 combined <clears throat> and I did this because these are those very verses that I was talking about that spoke to me so much and resonated with me that I mm-hmm. have on my wall Um, so 8 through 10 depart from me all you workers of wickedness for Yahweh has heard the voice of my weeping. Yahweh has heard my pleading. Yahweh receives my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. They turn back suddenly, ashamed. We reached that no point. Mm-hmm. Finally. Why? Because he finally turned to him and gave it to him. And then what did he receive? That confidence was bad. <laughs> you are know gonna see it by the end of the song. Yeah. like by the end of your prayer you should be feeling a difference. Exactly. There's this this sudden this renewal of strength he has at the end of this lengthy anguish prayer. We it gives us hope that we can do that too, we can break that cycle. Yes, yes. That that Yahweh can turn any situation around and that he can do that for us and you know, turn around things inside and outside of us. And just that way that he intervenes at the last moment like we were talking about. And, you know, that's the way he's glorified and it should encourage us and comfort us. I, I do really like his, his beginning of this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, they actually uh, poetically call that an apostrophe. When you hmm. suddenly address someone who's like not actually there at that moment, it's like a but it has to do with having a strong emotion, you know, you have that passion to suddenly do it. But for all we know, maybe he was then when his enemies were standing right there. <laughs> that would be so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's calling for these people of wickedness to just depart from him. Because he has no part in them, and they have no part in him. And just enough of all that. And he knows that through all of this, they've always been listening attentively to him. And no matter how far away he might have felt, and he heard not only his spoken pleading, but like we were talking about last night, he heard the sound of his breathing. He knew the truth of what he was saying and his feelings that he was truly regretful of, you know, being part of his situation, and his honest humility in meeting him. You start to see, you know, how they're he's connecting the two of them together in that relationship. It's restored, they're together against the you know, like me and you against the world, yes, against these enemies. Yeah, that, that confidence, that pumped up feeling. Really, I wanted to look because I think I have um, one of these that I just put up there. I think it has that, that scripture in it, along with a few others. I was going to share it if I could. Do you happen to see it behind you? Um, maybe that one, all the way to the left? If not, that's it. okay. <clears throat> that's alright. Um, were you finished with... Oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I you. asked
0: you. That's okay. That's okay. If I find it, I will share it with you guys later. Um, some of you may have already seen it because I actually used it as an example with the, um, the fervent study. Um, so if I find it, uh, I will share it with y'all later. So I feel like this situation's been really turned around, like, the, uh, the fear, despair, and the, like, shame and disgrace that David felt. Now it's been, like, thrown onto the enemy. And, you know, I, I kind of get this picture of the enemy suddenly seeing and being aware of the fact that they always on David's side, mm. standing mm-hmm. up for him. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, they lose their confidence. They're ashamed because, you know, they see that they're on the side against him and, and they're aware of their own wrongs. And the fear, obviously, once again, being on the opposite <laughs> side of Not him. a place you want to be. <laughs> no. <laughs> so there's a, a bit of balance in those parts, I think, and it's clear why that despair would be on them now. Um, yeah, we don't know how involved these people were in this situation. Maybe they were kind of hitting he was down. Uh, rolling some accusations has been not really helping. So now it's all been thrown around, and just the, the biggest thing I feel here is that, that confidence and joy and the rightness of relationship with them is a very powerful. It is. It really is. And I'm glad you, you pointed that out as a very, very good point because when we feel this is one of the reasons why I say, you know, emotions are sometimes our biggest enemies and I, I think actually they are our biggest enemies because I think it I think our emotions are the enemy's favorite toy to play with. <clears throat> When we give in to those emotions, we so often feel like we are less than, that we are not good enough, that we are weak, that we are stupid, um, that we are incapable, and when we believe. What Yahweh says to us when we believe that we are loved, that we are treasured, that we are cherished, that we are valued. When we believe that we have access to the power that he possesses, you have that confidence. And yes, it's so powerful. Why do you think the enemy doesn't want us to believe it? Why do you think he constantly preys on that? He wants us to not have access to it. He wants us to not hear it. Uh, again, one of the reasons why I believe so often my voice goes away when I'm doing these videos, or we, you can ask her, we have technological difficulties right before every video. These are not accidental things that are happening here. He doesn't want these things told. He doesn't want you to hear it, and he really doesn't want you to believe it, because when you believe it, there's that turnaround. Then it's powerful. Why? Because... When you got the cannon, what you got to be afraid of? <laughs> okay? Especially when you got the cannon and the enemy is holding the water. What do you have to be afraid of? Suddenly you're confident. Suddenly you know you. I mean, there is nothing scarier than a person who has nothing to lose. And when you got him on your side, when your, your name is written in that book of life, there is nothing on this earth that's worth losing. <laughs> nothing. And there's nothing scarier than that. He doesn't want that to happen. And, and to me, yes, David reached this point. And I kind of put this, yes, according to the, the story here, I'm kind of thinking that perhaps this is a continuation. Perhaps he's referring to the people who told him that, you know, he wasn't worthy enough for Yahweh, that Yahweh wasn't going to help him and, you know, all this stuff. And then maybe that's where he's coming from. Maybe he had finally given in to that son. Maybe he was believing it of himself. Maybe that's why he was getting to that desperate point. Who knows? <laughs> sometimes even when you kind of refute it, also that it comes back later. Oh, and yeah, you know the enemy loves to do that. Things that we did 20 years ago love to come back to us in the middle of the night sometimes, and, you know. <clears throat> this is why that, that wonderful verse that's also on my wall that we talked about in Isaiah 43 where it tells us do not, <laughs> very plainly, do not dwell on these things. Don't think on the past. The past is in the past. If you've given it to him, he's forgiven you for it. You need to forgive yourself. You are not better than him. You are not above him. So if he can forgive you, who are you to not forgive yourself? It took me a while to wrap my head around that. The enemy will use that against you. You got to get past that. It's done. It's over it's in the past. Another thing that I got during that time, and I don't remember exactly what study or whatever I did that said that, but I thought, wow, what an eye-opening way to think about it. The past is not real. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, And you're probably doing the same thing. What? She said, "Answer man. The past is not real, why? Because it's not now. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. It's done. It's over with. It's like a movie that you've already watched. It can't affect you. Real things affect you. The past can only affect you if you let it affect you. Affect you. And that's where, you know, the enemy comes in. The enemy cannot hurt you unless you let him hurt you which is why it's so important to see things for what they are. The past is not real. So when those thoughts come up into your head or people are hurling things at you that have to do with your past or you're starting to come up with all the what ifs because this happened before, you've got to stop right there and remind yourself. The past is not real. It's not happening right now. It's not going to happen later today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen in the future. It's done it's over it's not real it cannot affect you unless you allow it to affect you and again i was not going to say any of that today, so whoever needed that there you go <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um it's that helped me a lot that in that um, verse from isaiah 43 were big helpful very helpful to me but these verses also worked Is it somewhere? I have them written on my wall along with a few other verses, and I used these. David, obviously, like I said, yes, I believe he was speaking about actual enemies in this case, but I applied it in the spiritual realm. We face very real enemies in the spiritual realm attacking us every single day, and yes, our emotions are big way that he does it. Um, Those thoughts in our heads, those those feelings of inadequacy, um, through our friends, through our families, through our circumstances, we are attacked constantly. And we want to blame it on those physical things because, you know, that's just the easy and obvious way to do it. But the Bible plainly tells you that's not who we're really fighting here. (laughs) Who we're really fighting is in the spiritual realm. So I use this as my prayer against them. And I use it exactly the way that he's doing it here. Yes, as you said, he is now. He is pumped up. He is charged up. He just had that light bulb moment where he remembered who he belongs to. Who he is. And we have to remember that too. We've got to stop and we find ourselves in those moments where we're underneath all of this and we're feeling desperate and we're crying out to remember, wait a minute, who am I? Who do I belong to? What am I capable of through him? What do I have to be afraid of? There's time to pull your cannon back out. So I put it on my wall because it's a great reminder to me that his word tells us that we have power over the enemy. We are given, by the rights of his children, we are given power over the enemy, and we don't have to. And we should not just sit there and take it. Once we see it for what it is, and we realize this is the enemy attacking us, that's where those thoughts in your head are coming from that's where those feelings are coming from that's where those attacks from your friends or your family or your circumstances are coming from you don't just sit there and take it and let yourself go underneath the circumstances you remember who you are and the power that you have and you have power over the enemy you don't think the enemy doesn't know this he just doesn't want you to know this and he doesn't want you to remember it (laughs) How is he going to take care of that? Oh, like the job situation. Here's another thing. And here's another thing. And here's another thing. So you're so distracted by all the things that are falling that you don't have time to remember and focus on what God has told you. So David suddenly remembers who he belongs to and what he can do. He suddenly remembers that his power is available to him through him. And he called his enemies out for who they are, and that's what we have to do. I see you. I know what you're doing. I know it's not Tom, Dick, Sarah, and Larry who's doing this to me. That's why you want to see, but I see you. I know what you're doing. You call them out for who they are, and that's what he was doing. Again, I do think he was talking about physical enemies at that point, but he was calling them out for who they were and what they were doing. And we have to do that <clears throat> with the spiritual realm. And he tells them, "Get out!" <laughs> and that's what we have to do. Get out. You have no place here. This is not for you. I don't belong to you. I am not below you. I am not less than uh, than you. I belong to him. And I said, "Get out." So it's a command. But I also look at this verse as a warning. He's warning them. Because he follows it with Yahweh has heard my cries. He has heard my pleas and he receives my prayers. That's where I say I wonder if this is tied in. Because remember, in the previous uh, chapters, um, the guy, his trusted servant guy, told him that he wasn't listening to him. That he wasn't worthy. He wasn't listening to him. What does he say? You know, she yes, Shimei. He so told him that. Days. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he was told that. And that's why I say I wonder if this is tied into that. Because what does he says He receives my prayers. Yes. This is kind of the equivalent. This thought came to my mind. of um, I told daddy what you did. <laughs> Only in this case, you have the biggest and most powerful daddy in all of creation. And I told him what you did. And he listened. Like my dad could beat up your dad. (laughs) Yes, my dad could totally decimate your dad, like that. Literally, just whoop. You know. So he's telling them. You know, I. I, He knows. I know what you did. I told him what you did, and he listened. He saw what you caused me to go through. He heard my cries. He heard my pleas. He heard my tears. And now he knows. This was a warning, okay? This was like the epitome of all warnings when somebody comes to you and they say, I am the child of Yahweh. He's heard what you put me through. I told him what you did. And he (laughs) listened. Okay? This was a warning. So then he says (laughs) that they should be greatly worried (laughs) as they should be. And run away in shame. <laughs> i like, I've got this picture in my head. And I'm just like, when you said that while ago about maybe they were standing there, this would be so amazing. <laughs> it would be so amazing. I told him, he listened, so you, you should be greatly concerned. And you need to run away in shame. <laughs> you know? But again, in all seriousness, in the spiritual realm, this is what we need to be doing. We need to be calling him out. We need to remind him that we do know who we belong to. We do know the power that we have. And we've called him to Yahweh's attention. And he needs to be worried, Be very worried. He needs to be afraid. And he needs to run away in mean, shame. So not that it's going to do him any good. Because you can't run away from Yahweh. Too late. He knows now but you get my sentiment he's basically he's telling them i'm back <laughs> i remember now who i belong to you tried your best you took your best shot but i remember now and uh i told him and you in trouble <laughs> so you need to run away be ashamed Go think about what you did <laughs> Please. And get out. Wouldn't he love to see David bust through the door and be like, "I'm back, baby," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then just tell him all that? Yeah, that would be that would be terrifically awesome. Maybe like, that's what we should do when we leave the prayer closet. What well, exactly? You know what we should we should because you know I think I do believe there's something to be said for saying things out loud. Somehow, saying things out loud makes you feel it more, which is one of the reasons I love um, praying out loud. And I don't mean like praying publicly, I mean by yourself, praying out loud. You just feel it more, that that confidence that builds with your remembering. You know, think about praying in your head where you're like, Yahweh, I know you've done this for me, and I know you've done that for me, and I know that you say um, that you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me. Um, you, You get my point, you know, the building. But then think about when you say it out loud. It's often like David. And I believe David prayed out loud. I really do. I <clears to throat> um, Think about when you start off and you're like, I know you did this for me, and I know you did that for me. But then it kind of builds. And you're like, and I know you say you'll never leave me, and you will never forsake me, and you hear my cries, and you hear my pleas, and you love me, and you care for me, and you knew me. You knew everything about me. You knew me before you even put me in my mother's womb, and you just build. You can't help but start to feel what you're saying. And to me, that solidifies it. It solidifies it in your heart, in your soul, and in your mind when you just say it out loud. So, yeah, I think you should, I'm back. I remember who I belong to, I remember the power that I have access to through him, I remember that I have power and authority over the enemy, and I'm not going to sit here and take this anymore, get out, be ashamed, (laughs) get out, you should be ashamed of what you have done, you should be ashamed of your pathetic attempts against my God, (laughs) who do you think you are, get out, to me, yes. That is the way it should be. I'm so glad you applied that that way. That's especially helpful because that's what we all deal through on a daily basis. We do. And so many don't realize it. They don't even realize that the things that are going on in their everyday lives are actually attacks from the enemy. and he especially likes to use our spouses and our families and um, our friends and our loved ones why because he wants to divide us he wants to divide us We're, we're we are more powerful together united and he knows that not only that when he divides you from the people that you love that's where all your focus is you are far more concerned about the distress going on in your relationships than you are with what you should be doing. Not only that, what affects your emotions the deepest? What causes the strongest hurts and causes you to feel hate and bitterness and rage then broken relationships between you and the ones you love the most? And what can he do with those feelings and emotions? What can he do with those thoughts? He takes some of the strongest, most powerful warriors that Yahweh has out there and turns them to the other side through that. So you have to have that wake up moment and realize who's really at work here. Who's really attacking you here. And you got to turn right around and throw it back at them. Because yeah, Often, we want to blame everything on what we can see in front of us, and it's not what you can see in front of us. It's kind of like the whole Wizard of Oz thing again, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Well, <laughs> guess what? There's a man behind the curtain. It's behind your spouse, he's behind your children, It's behind your parents, he's behind your best friends, he's behind your boss, your finances, everything. Pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Call him out. Tell him you see him and you know what he is doing. And then cast him out in shame. Send him running with his tail between his legs. And how tell him how pathetic he is for trying to come against your God. First, you have to see it for what it is. Then, just like David, you got to remember who you belong to. So, I suppose that this week, we will end then, if you need to, go cast out some enemies. Do it out loud. Do it pumped up, just like David. Go tell them you're back and cast them out. Y'all have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see y'all next week. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, if you enjoy listening, please feel free to share it with others so that hopefully it can bless them too. And if you don't already know about it, we also have a Facebook group, both a public page and a private group that you can join. You can find us at Leaving It at His Feet every day on Facebook. Just remember, if you would like to see the Bible studies, the videos, the many teachings or the live prayers or many other things that we offer for a variety of ages, you have to ask to join the private group. Hope to see you there. Bye.